0: Would you turn your Bible, please, to Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. There are several very famous 3.16s in the Bible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And Malachi 3.16, a very important verse that we often overlook. Let me ask you to mark it in your Bible this morning. This is the last book in the Old Testament, just before the book of Matthew. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man. Spareth his own son that serveth him. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you for the truth of the Word of God and all that we've experienced today in the singing, these beautiful testimonies, both in spoken word and song, the gathering together of God's people. We pray thou wilt use this and may every one of us worship the Lord in the spirit of holiness may those who are without Christ be brought by conviction of the Holy Spirit to trust Christ as Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, will you try to remember Malachi? Let's say the man's name. Say it louder. Malachi, the last prophet in the writings of the Old Testament. I guess in reality, the last Old Testament prophet was John the Baptist, but that was 400 years later. There's a 400-year silence between the last page of Malachi and the first page of Matthew. We call that the interbiblical period. The man Matthew, the name means my messenger or messenger of the Lord. In chapter 3, he has sort of a takeoff on that when he says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. I shall send my Malachi, and he shall prepare the way for me. My messenger, Malachi, my messenger. And since that's the name of this book, and the name of the man who wrote it, there's much here. That we need to listen to because this is the message of the Lord by the Lord's messenger, the last message from the Lord for 400 years. America has been standing for over 200 years now, and we've had messenger after messenger after messenger. We've had Jonathan Edwards, we've had D.L. Moody. We've had Billy Sunday, we've had Billy Graham, and on and on. In these 200 years, we've had many, many, many who have brought the message of God. But for 400 years following this book, there was no message from God. It was a dark period, and then a light. Jesus, the light of the world well in the malachi's time the people who had sinned against god that nation of israel who had sinned against god had gone into captivity they had been over in babylon for 70 years they hung their harps on willow trees and when they were told to sing the songs of zion they said how can we sing the songs of zion in a foreign land they were defeated they were discouraged God sent his messenger Isaiah to say comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And God gave them some new hope. And under under Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and Ezra, they were led back into the land of promise. They rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the walls. And now it was a time of prosperity. Everything seemed to be going pretty good. It was a time of economic prosperity. But the people had forgotten God, much like America today. We've never had it so good. The present generation of Americans know very little about deprivation. Even the very poor have televisions, have a house to live in. They don't live under bridges. I know we have some homeless. We need to be concerned about them. But for the most part, this is an age of prosperity. It was like that in Malachi's day. The rich were getting richer. Everybody was coming up economically. But they had forgotten the Lord. They had profaned his Sabbath day. Just as we have. You know why we notice that so much in America? At least some do. Because the early Christian influence on America closed all the stores on Sunday. And I guess for 150 years, maybe 175 years, maybe longer than that, most of the stores were closed on Sunday. It is only when we threw off, quote, the yoke of bondage, end quote, of God and the Word of God that we threw open all the stores. I remember when Grant's Shopping Center was in Fairview, out of Fairview Shopping Center, and they announced they were going to be open on Sunday. That was an unusual thing for Bowling Green. So some of us went to Grant's and asked them if they would reconsider and close on Sunday and they said, if your people, that is the Christian people, the quote church people, quote, don't come on Sunday. After we try it for a month or two, we'll close. They've never closed. Of course, they went out of business. Others came in their place. And all across the city, places are wide open on the Lord's Day. After church today, many will go and buy their groceries and their shirts and their shoes and their clothes. This is what they did in Malachi's day. They forgot the Sabbath day. They didn't keep it holy any longer. The captivity was over. The people were in prosperity, but they had forgotten God. And the book of Malachi is a warning. It is a warning about books that God keeps. I want you to notice this. Look in chapter 3, verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. This was the people, a master's minority who cared about the things of God. They sometimes were oppressed. They were sometimes called the religious right. They were looked down upon. And they spoke often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And the book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And the Lord adds something to this. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth. There are several books mentioned in the Bible. I'm not talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd, Simon, 1st, 2nd, Christ, 1st, Kings, and so on and on, on and on. Those are books of the Bible. But there are some books mentioned in the Bible. I want to call your attention to them. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 29, now the acts of David the king, first and last... Behold, they are written in the book of Samuel, the seer, and in the book of Nathan, the prophet, and in the book of Gad, the seer. Now these are books of chronicles. Books of chronicles. That is, the day-by-day actions of these people. You know why we know about the sin of David? Because God saw to it that it was put in the book. God keeps books on our actions. Every act. Every obedience and disobedience. While this book tells us about the sweet singer of Israel, David, and brags on him, the one who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The one who slew David, who slew Goliath, that Dear, precious young man. So many complimentary things are said about him. And yet in that same book is written that day when his faith failed and he decided he needed to find out how many he had in the army so they'd know whether they could go up against the enemy. God said, David, wait a minute. I've always taken care of the battle. You going to take care of it yourself this time? And he numbered all the people in Israel the fighting men, and God said, "That's not what I ask you to do. I ask you to trust the Lord. the The battle is the Lord's." And this was a grievous sin in David's life. And there was a terrible plague that came. And it was at that time that David bought the threshing floor of Araunah, where the, later the temple was to stand. And there he offered a sacrifice to the Lord because of his sin. This same sweet singer of Israel, wonderful, precious man, all of us hold him as an example, a dear, wonderful man. As a matter of fact, the rest of the Bible says there will come a day when there will be a king rise like David. David is a man after my own heart. This same book records that David committed adultery. What am I saying? I'm saying God keeps books. They're called Chronicles he has a book on every one of us. Just like he had a book on Nathan, on David, on Gad. He has a book on Seth and Billy and Richard. He has a book. He keeps books. They're called the Chronicles. And every one of our actions are recorded by God. That's the book of Chronicles. Now there's another book. If you open to Genesis chapter 5, look at that passage. Genesis chapter 5 verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. And over and over again we read in the Bible about the book of the generations. And then he lists all those names. Matter of fact, you go to the book of Numbers and you read name after name after name after name. Some people, as they read the Bible through, when they get to Leviticus or Numbers, they say, well, I'm just going to skip this. All these hard-to-pronounce names are here. I don't know how to read them. They turn over to Psalms. They get discouraged in reading all that. God keeps our names. They're very important to Him. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Our names are in God's book. Now what does that have to do with us? This is the book of generations. I want to submit to you, and I'm getting very personal, that our reproductions are very important in God's sight. God does not look lightly on those who murder their little babies in the womb. He records them. The book of Psalm chapter 139 says that all of our members are formed by God. God knows about In our society today, you can have an ultrasound in just a few weeks, maybe a month or so after the baby is conceived, and you can discover all the parts of that body, and you can know whether it's a boy or a girl. Some choose not to know until birth, which is fine. Well, what I'm saying is God already knows it, and it's recorded in the book of Generations. how infinitely important each person is. What does that say to those of us who are adults or young people or juniors? It says that every other person is important. The Bible says that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think soberly. And we're to put another person even a little bit higher than we put our own selves. Jesus put it this way, Do unto others as you would that they would do to you. The person sitting next to you is very important. You cannot look down at him because of the shoes they wear or the clothes they wear. Nor can you look up to them because of the $1,500 suit they wear or the $500,000 house they live in. God knows each of us. And the infinite worth of every individual is so important that God, looking down from heaven, said, That little boy is important to me. That girl over there is important. That baby is important. That man's important. Father, I want to go down and pay the price for their sins. I don't want them to go to hell i don't want them to be lost i don't want them to wander around this world not knowing what to do let me go and the heavenly father and the second person of the trinity made an eternal agreement and the lord christ came to the earth he lived among men he touched blind eyes and caused them to see he found people that didn't have anything and gave them something Gave them a reason for living. He found people that were out of their minds and in the tombs and naked and he touched them and healed them and they were in their right mind and they praised God. He interrupted funeral processions and raised dead people to life and then they led him to Calvary. And the Son of God went to Calvary because you're important. Because you're important. Because you're important. important. Son of God went to the cross because you're very important, Bruce. Very important. Every one of us is important. The generations, God keeps the book of generations. He knows every individual, and we're very important. But now listen we're not more important than the people in Africa, we're not more important than the people in China or Japan or the South Sea Islands or Mexico. Or the Spanish people that live along the border. Or the people that live in little huts. Or those who live under bridges. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the children of the world. And you and I have a spiritual responsibility to look into the book of generations as God sees it. And say, I'm going to make a difference in this world. And touch people for God. There's another book. In Malachi 3.16, it's the book of remembrance. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and book of remembrance was written before them for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Who is he talking about here? Isn't it interesting? It comes right in the middle of Malachi, the third chapter. And the, the student of the Bible... If he knows much about the Bible and you say, what is in Malachi the third chapter? Brother Buster, what almost automatically would you say? Robbing God and tithing. That's what Malachi three is about. In every student of the Bible, you sort of have it placed in the cogs of your memory that Malachi the third chapter talks about. Will a man rob God yet ye have robbed me? How have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. And a little bit later in that same chapter, he comes down and he said, now there's a book of remembrance for those that feared the Lord. That is those who had the awesome fear of God in their hearts, so much so that they recognize they are stewards of what they have. That I'm a steward of this clothes I wear. I did this in Sunday school. You ever seen anybody do this? Get through with their clothes and just throw them down on the floor. Kids, how many of you have done that? Or do you hang them up? Thank you for being honest, but you're not a very good steward of your clothes when you do that. You need to hang them up. Put them in a proper place. We are stewards of everything we have. We're stewards of the cars we drive. We're stewards of the room we live in. We're stewards of the bed we sleep in. We ought to make it the next morning. Don't make your mom and dad make your bed for you. We're stewards of the clothes we wear. We're stewards of the house we live in. The stewards of the job we have. We are stewards of the money that God allows to pass through our hands. If God gives us a dollar, how much of that belongs to God? Ten cents, right? Yeah. Now, no, no show of hands, but how many are honest enough? Every time, every single time you get a dollar, you say, Lord, I'm going to give you ten cents of that. That's not so hard. But suppose you get ten dollars. How much of that belongs to God? <laughs> That's very nice. All of it does. But what does God say he wants of that? One dollar well you say i guess i can do that now wait a minute you get a hundred dollars how much of that belongs to god ten dollars well that's a lot that means i only have 90 left you get a thousand dollars and how much of that belongs to god a hundred of it well it's getting worse you mean i have to live on 900 dollars, and i have to give god a whole hundred dollars See, that's the way the devil argues with us. Our old selfish instinct argues with us that way. This book says that God keeps a book of remembrance for those who fear the Lord, who think on His name, and are honest with God. Are you in God's book of remembrance? Is your name written there? Every one of us will have to give an account. There's no exception. In a sense, I'm going to have to give an account for our church. I think what I'll really have to give an account for is whether I preached the whole counsel of God to the church. I'm not sure that God will say, "Look at here, that man back there stole from God, that's your fault. I don't know, it may be that way. If it is, let me beg you to start tithing right away. Don't put that on me. I'm telling you what God says. And I have to give an account to the Lord, whether I told you or not. I'm telling you in just plain English, when you get $100, 10 of it belongs to God. And God said, bring it to the storehouse. Don't put it in the bank. It goes to God's storehouse. That's what God says. And He said, I, you know what I do? I love you for that. And I put your name in a book of remembrance for that. Those that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. It reminds me of God's people coming together week by week and just talking to each other about the way God has blessed. And when the offering plate goes by, we say, Lord, thank you for the honor. I'm going to give you the tenth because that belongs to God. There's another book. It's the last book I want to mention today. It's found in Revelation chapter 21. Chapter 20. And I saw the great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven were fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell were delivered unto the were delivered up the dead that were in them and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Notice this this morning. Here are some books. The Bible says that all we've done is written in these books. Everything you've ever done is written in these books. Everything you've ever done written in these books, all there. Now you're going to be judged by the... Unless, when the books are opened, there is found a blood stamp on it that says, Paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And at this judgment spoken of in Revelation 20, the Bible says the books will be opened and another book will be there. And the dead will be judged out of the books, out of the things that are written in the books. And somebody's gonna come along and say, now Lord, wait a minute. I used to go to Glendale Baptist Church. I got there on the bus. Or I drove in almost every Sunday. And Lord, I did this and this and I was kind and I was good. I even once in a while told the preacher I appreciated his sermon and I did all kinds of good things and the Lord you know what the Lord will do in his infinite mercy he'll say wait a minute angel open the book of life and the book of life will be opened and they'll look for your name if your name is not in the book of life you'll be cast into the lake of fire no matter how many good works you've done has nothing to do with works. It has to do with whether your name is in the book. Well, you say, how do you get your name in the book? Our names are in the book when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Believe upon him as our Savior. And God comes along and all, all, all the old works and the old sins and the old things of our lives, he stamps over it Paid in full by the blood of the Son of God. And your name is in God's book. And all heaven is open to you. The question is not, did you do good things? Did you join the right church? I believe everybody ought to get baptized, but the question is not whether you got baptized the right way. But did you repent of sin and put your faith in Jesus? Has the blood made an atonement for your soul? Friend, if you're not under the blood, you're going to hell. Back in the days of Moses and the children of Israel, where they were in Egypt in bondage, God wanted his children let out of bondage, and he sent Moses down there to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And he, his heart was hardened, and he wouldn't do it. And plague after plague after came. F- flies and frogs and lice and blood and everything else. And finally, gets, God said, oh, here's what I'm going to do, Moses. You go tell the children of Israel to get a lamb and kill that lamb. Take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorposts over their house. They, they can eat the lamb, but they t- put the blood over the do- doorposts. Tonight, the death angel is going to pass by. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Where there is no blood, the eldest son of that home will die. There will be judgment. God says the same thing today. When you come to the day of death, God's going to see if there's blood over the doorposts of your heart. You say, what blood are you talking about? I'm talking about the blood of the Son of God who died for us. Have you appropriated by faith what He did for you and trusted Him as your Savior and Lord? If you have, everything's all right. If you have not, everything is all wrong. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We pray that every one of us today would determine to have our bo- our names written in the book of life. And those of us who already have our names in the book of life, may we determine Lord, we want our names written in the book of remembrance. We want you to remember that we loved you and served you. We're faithful stewards. We want our names written in the book of generations, recognizing how important individual life is. We want our names in the books of Chronicles, so we'll not be ashamed of all of our actions. Oh God, today, move on every heart, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.